forbidden and banned, the bane of bureaucrats, exposing mainstream media's weapons of mass distraction. Flying under the radar and dropping truth bombs on tyranny. It's Liberty Now. Hello and welcome to Liberty Now, the show for discerning minds and common sense. Today we're continuing the conversation with Patrick Wood, author of Technocracy Rising, the Trojan Horse of Global Transformation. We'll go a bit more into its history and how we've gotten here. Before we get into it, I'd like to share a quote from Joost Mirlu from his book, The Rape of the Mind, The Psychology of Thought Control, Menticide, and Brainwashing. Radio and television tend to take away the active, affectionate relationships between men and to destroy the capacity for personal thought, evaluation, and reflection. They catch the mind directly, giving people no time for calm, dialectical conversation with their own minds, with their friends, or with their books. This got me thinking about ways we can break the spell of technocracy. I'd like to get us thinking about this by taking a break from the thing that distracts us so much from each other, that is screen time, like a digital detox. So I'd like to propose a screenless Sunday where we all do it together, and I'd like to hear from you. Could you even do it for 24 hours? Think about it, and stay tuned for the date. Let me know what you think on Telegram. Send your comments to t.me forward slash Liberty Now chat. Okay, let's continue the conversation with Patrick Wood. Right, that, well, that was one of the primary, I guess, motivations or, or original thoughts coming out of technocracy is that uh, they felt that politicians weren't capable of um, leading or governing and it, it needed right. to be scientists who run yes. the world. That's right. They wanted to get rid of all, polit all political structures in America and have like an organization chart that you see in a corporation, for instance, for America, right. where there'd be the head technocrat, you know, and then there'd be a bunch of the other, other departments underneath him, all run by appointed engineers, scientists, and technicians. No political right. structure, no, no parliament, uh, no, no Congress, not even any... Uh, city councils or you know state governments not necessary science could run it right from the top that's what they believe yeah can you point to any specific examples where you see this beginning to happen for those people those skeptics who think you know that our current political structure uh, will just continue merrily on its way it may not be immediately obvious to some people but can you point out to a couple of examples or changes that have happened in the last i don't know decade well, how about just in the last year and a half? Okay. <laughs> yeah. In particular with COVID. Uh, it was January 30, 2020, when the World Health Organization declared a pandemic. I support the idea that that was the day that technocracy started its coup d'etat on the world. Right. And here's why I say that. Who else has the power, influence, and desire to shut down the whole global economic system. Right. Nobody but technocracy. Right. And I, and I say that within the frame of the United Nations. They have declared openly at the UN that they want to replace the, 
current economic model with sustainable development. They said it multiple times in, in print. Right. Have. No. Yeah, it's in print. I actually have a physical copy of Agenda Twenty One. It's a, a nice yes. thick book. It's I've got it all in writing. They they published it. Oh, that's right. So you know they've declared that they want to do away with with uh, with our economic system and replace it with sustainable development, which is, I argue, technocracy, a warmed over technocracy from the 1930s. And when the pandemic narrative started to hit the media, I recognized immediately that these were the same people that were pushing global warming in 2019. Right. Same alarmist people that were behind, for instance, people like the poor little uh, Greta Thunberg, you know, hopping. Oh, up yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. Out on fire. You should act like it. Right. Um, these were the same people with the same MO, with the same solution as always sustainable development. That's the only thing that ever is offered to fix any problem. And they were using the same crackpot computer models to predict the end of the world. Right. It's a great method model. of instilling fear. That's right. And it was all fear-based and it was all designed to bring about social change and economic change at the same time. That was the beginning of the coup d'etat, in my opinion, of technocracy. Right. They've been pushing the narrative ever since. And now these technocrats uh, dressed up in white coats with pocket protectors and <laughs> stethoscopes around their necks. Right. They have taken over the global narrative on keeping everyone in fear and also causing people to roll up their sleeves to take an unapproved gene therapy injection into their arm, like Moderna. Moderna stands for messenger RNA. Yep. Genetically altering the substance of humanity. The transhumanist, transhumanist holy grail is to get access to people's bodies with genetic inserts, it's like, I'll tell you what, we're, the world's in big trouble right now with this whole thing. It's a great reset. Right. Klaus Schwab, the world, you just listen to what Klaus Schwab has been saying in the World Economic Forum about how the pandemic fits into the great reset. He's right. How convenient. Yep. I completely understand people's concerns and fears when you know they're being told on every single media outlet that they've traditionally come to know and trust that there is this global pandemic we need to be really worried about it and you know kept in a constant state of fear um it's killing you know millions and then they they come along with a, a solution you know this is going to protect you and you need to trust those same sources of information and the government and until you start to look at this back away to the 50,000 foot level and, and look at all these other things in play. Um, if, if you can't do that, it's going to be really hard to come to believe or accept that maybe this injection is not the best thing or, or truly intended or, or, or you're even going to accomplish, you know, the protection that, that they say it does. It doesn't look to me like it is from the medical professionals that I talked to up here. And that's quite a few of them, I might add. Um, right. The, the greatest concern is that these people have no business in your body messing with. Them. Absolutely. At, at the very, at the very least, you know, we, you know, to quote the left, you know, my body, my choice, um, you know, yeah. 
don't give me these double standards where <laughs> say I don't have a choice, you know, That's with right. other things. And <clears throat> whenever I begin to talk about these things, um, very rationally, you know, I just try to explain, you know, there, there is a bigger picture here. Um, I, I might be asked, you know, are you a doctor? And I'm like, no, I, I listen to my doctor. I listen to the advice of doctors and there are thousands, tens of thousands of doctors who are, agree exactly with what you're saying. Scientists, virologists, immunologists, you know, not just nobody's the very top of their field, but they're silenced. They're not allowed. Uh, and, and I guess if, if somebody were questioning how legitimate, you know, the concerns are about the vaccine, one might ask, well, why are, why is anybody who's, you know, a scientist who's trying to just provide an additional or alternative explanation? Why are they being silenced? That's, this is, I've never seen this in the history of my 50 plus years on this planet. I've never seen anything like this. That's right. That, that's just further evidence of a coup d'etat, by the way, because um, one of the first uh, takeovers in any coup d'etat is the media. Right. Right. They take over the narrative. <clears throat> they call propaganda. And essentially now we have uh, worldwide, I might add, a ministry of truth. Yeah. Yeah. In 1984 that declares what's truth. How many fingers of them am I holding up, Winston? Right. Right. I, in fact, I, I, I need to put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> that is absolutely. <clears throat> it's, it's really amazing. You know, anybody who's read... Brave New World or 1984, a lot of the chapters are being pulled out into in front of our eyes. We're seeing them played out. They pretty were pretty amazing. Technocracy, by the way. They yeah. Were technocracy. The, the book, the book uh, Brave New World was written in 1932. That was the same year the technocracy was at Columbia University. Right. The bastion of progressive thought. And they were, they were hobnobbing with the same people. And it made, it made the cover of a great book. And you'll also remember in the book, Brave New World, if, if your listeners don't know that story, they should go get a copy of it and read it. Not, it's not a hard read. Believe me, you can get through no, it really fast. Yeah, it's very readable. <clears throat> but you will remember there was no political system whatsoever inside of that book, Brave New World. Yeah, that's right. There was no mention of any political structure. It was all scientific dictatorship. I'm not kidding you. That's there's no as all scientific. You did what the director said, period. Right. There was no other discussion. Yeah. I'd never looked at it through that lens. You're, you're absolutely right. That's a very but interesting. This is their attitude. This is their attitude. This is why they specifically said in the early documents of technocracy that there was no room for political structure. They wanted right. to weigh with. Right. They felt science was so good. What, what do you need? What do you need politics for? Right. Just do what we say. We know what's right. Just do it. Right. Don't yeah. question the science. And, and ironically, you know, science is all about asking questions. I believe in science. I, I think it's fascinating. Yes. I do too. Uh, but what we're being told or sold as science, um, it just seems like dictatorship. When, when I hear statements like the science is settled, how do we, how do we make new discoveries if something's settled? Science is never settled. Absolutely. Real, real science is never settled. Absolutely. So this technocracy began in the 1930s um, and being put in, in writing. 
would you say that this this idea of this this coup d'etat, as you say, began earlier, maybe with uh, Malthus or Rhodes? What what preceded oh, the I thing? Or no, I wouldn't honestly, and and the reason is they're just too far far removed from us historically to have a direct you know influence on it. All of those thoughts were there. Well, let me give you an example. The U.S. Constitution was written. Right. Where did all the ideas come from that went into the, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and our Constitution? Where did all that stuff come from? Well, they didn't just sit down a week before and say, hey, let's, let's kind of cook something up here. Get your pen out. <laughs> right. um, the ideas and concepts that went into the Constitution stretched back at least 600 years in history. From that period of time, it took a long time to get the ideas moved forward to where they were able to to crystallize the thoughts that as history was moving forward to crystallize those thoughts into the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution, right? Right. Historians will tell you that. I'm not just making this up. Historians will tell you that. There's lots of background and backstory on how this idea and that idea and how the concept of freedom and the concept of property property rights, etc came into being when our constitution is written. If you can imagine that in, in 1973, when the Trilateral Commission was formed, that, that they kind of created their own constitution, if you will, their working constitution, their plan for the future. Where do all those ideas come from? Well, you could trace them back a long ways. In some cases, you go back into the 1600s even and find some ideas that kind of, well, it kind of sounds like what somebody said up here and, you know, and that's true right. because, you know, all these, 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 the cross current of different philosophies and stuff, they, in, you know, they integrate, they separate, they percolate that, you know, what all over the place. And then all of a sudden some major idea is crystallized and some author sits down and writes it down and that becomes set in stone. That's what the Trilateral Commission did for modern globalization in 1973. They set policy. They put it down. They kind of put it down in, in writing. Okay, this is what we're going to do now. Right, right. And they moved forward with sustainable development as and technocracy as their model, even right. though they didn't call it that initially. Right. What they were up to. Right. They had to... Um sort of get their marketing people on the correct terms <laughs> to put it exactly. into play and, and run it through the media. In the United States, by the way, you can talk to people in city councils and county officials and stuff, and you ask them, you know, you, you bring up the term sustainable development. They look at you like, I know you have a tinfoil hat on. <laughs> right. You're crazy. You talk about, you know, sustainable development. Are you nuts? But if you talk to them about smart growth, Oh, smart growth. We know all about that. We love right. smart. And we, we got smart this and smart that. And, you know, they understand smart growth. And you know why they do is because back in 1994, a brilliant marketing guy did some focus studies talking about, you know, agenda 21 stuff, right? Americans right. were going to go for no agenda for the 21st century. They did not like that terminology. Right. So they said, let's call it, let's call it smart growth instead. We just won't call it Agenda 21. <laughs> we'll call it smart growth. Yeah. It's a market. It's just a market. That's all. But it was brilliant because everybody's, everybody jumped on it. Who, what, do you want dumb growth? Right, right. I no, want I want to be smart. Dumb city. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Of course I, no, no, I don't want to live in a dumb city. Well, I guess got to make a smart city then. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> right. A little too smart for its own good. I, I think one of the things that really started waking me up to the, the technocracy, I suppose, I didn't, I didn't have the term at the time, but when I saw the Stingray systems being installed in Seattle, where I was living, uh, these systems would spy on and pull data from people's phones uh, for our, quote, protection to stop crime. And the, this is like a $2.5 million system that was donated so generously by the, I think, through the NSA and tied in with the FBI. And um, the city, of course, jumped at it. Uh, no vote, no no discussion with the people about you know privacy violations or anything, and um, then they started putting in these um, quote gun detection microphones, which yeah. in reality could listen into a conversation right there on the sidewalk at any point. Um, so yeah, we've seen systems like this, um, you know, physical, and I I would recommend anybody that you know thinks that sounds crazy to to look it up the stingray system installed in seattle and, and where that wow. came from and what it's really capable of and uh yeah this is all goes into you know our smart cities right yeah that, that are just, you know, I just i just posted an article this morning on technocracy.news <clears throat> the headline is apple starts scanning all personal photos and images uploaded to icloud wow that's a lot of photos. The reason they're doing it is to catch child abusers, they say. <laughs> right. that, oh, know, my gosh. They're I so know. humanitarian. It's not just that they're going to scan for naked images of children, I suppose, or some other evidence that they would think that has to do with. But they say they're going to report them to the police when they find them so they can be investigated. Right. And um you know, the pictures examined. So they're going to give your pictures to the police to make a decision whether or not you're a, you're a lawbreaker. Right. And nobody, nobody asked the question, well, okay, so there's one tenth of one micro percent that there's some, you know, you're going to find a picture that is truly reportable. What happens to all the other 99.999% pictures that you must scan in the process of getting there? Right. Well, that's just we got to do, you know. We have to, <laughs> we have to check everybody at the airport, you know, to find one or two, um, uh, you know, offenders, a terrorist, or whatever. So you all have to submit the hands up, or you all have to, you know, the X-ray machine, or, right. or, you know, your vaccine passport, or whatever the heck it is. We got to check everybody to find one violator. I'm sorry, that's a that's is a gaslighting operation. It's absolute fraud. But Apple is admitting it now. They're going to start scanning everybody's pictures and images that get uploaded to iCloud. Most people don't know that their pictures are even uploaded to iCloud, but right. they are. You can't turn it off. But you know, now that the intent is out in the open, that means they can grab any data on your phone that they want to. Right. It doesn't stop there. It just won't stop there. Absolutely. So this is happening. You, you know, this kind of stuff is happening. And, and what tech, what technocrats believe, you can only control what you monitor. Right, right. That's, that's at the foundation. That's the whole concept right there. Right. 
That's what, that's the game here. It's all over the place. Now you just, everybody's got their noodle brain into your affairs. Yep. And it's not just your explicit affairs or specific affairs, but in the process of applying artificial intelligence to you and your condition, all of your social media is available. All of your bank records are available. All the, every, basically everything you do in society, how you interact is all out there and available for these people to grab and bring into a, a big folio for you. Right. What nobody considers and, or understands, because most people really don't understand computers. I happen to, because I spent 25 years in the business. Um, is that along the way, and artificial intelligence is perfect for this because along the way, inferences are made about you depending on the things that they find out about you. Right. So when an inference is made, like let's say that you bought six left-handed baseball bats in the last five years or something. Right. And that's in your record. Oh, what the heck does that mean? Well, artificial intelligence will tell you what that means. It means you're probably buying those base, those left-handed baseball bats for a serial killer in your whatever <laughs> neighborhood, right? And and you're supplying him with bats. Well, <laughs> I know that's a ridiculous example, but let's just say it's true, or they think it's true. They manufacture information, put it into your record as if it were true. Right. Now anybody that looks at it says, oh, it certainly is true because it's there. <laughs> right. It's there in black and white. That checkbox is checked. That guy is a bad abuser or whatever it might be. Right. Manufacturing information on people is commonplace now. That's what social credit scoring is all about. Right. In China. Right. Now coming to America, I'm sure Australia has it. I expect that New Zealand also has a good dose of it. Social credit yep. scoring system is all manufactured data based on other data about you that might be factual. Right. Misinterpreted right. or interpreted as some bias to it gets stamped into your record that you're this way, you're that way, you're, you know, you're probably, you know, in five years, you're probably going to be a raging schizophrenic or something, whatever. It doesn't matter. They right. come up with some prediction about you, stamp it into your record as if it were true, and then it becomes true. Right. And they make these projections a la uh, minority report, right? And it's going to be their utopian dream to stop all right. future crimes by apprehending, you know, suspects before they've done anything based on yeah. uh, probably false information that's been just right. generated. Yeah, there were there have been a, a lot of visionaries or, or people who have seen this coming. Um, I, I would say John Birch Society warned of, of this kind of thing. Do you, do you think that they were aware of technocracy per se? They weren't. And I have many friends who are members of the John Birch society over the yeah. years, stretching back to the seventies. They never had a, uh, they never had any insight into technocracy per se until last year. Wow. And the reason I say that last year is that one of my now good friends, um, who writes prolifically for, uh, John Birch society, Alex Newman, he has not only recognized it, he wrote it, finally wrote a great review of my book. Oh, for excellent. The American magazine. And uh, I have to say it was not universally um, embraced 
by other members of the John Birch Society. Part of the reason is they've been after, you know, chasing after um, uh, communism and Marxism and socialism for all these years. And they right. simply have seen this other this other column of actors, if you will, you know, that are. Right. And, and, and that leads me to uh, you're probably familiar with the Russian defector Yuri Bezhmenov in the 1980s, who yeah. um, did some interviews, uh, former KGB officer, very high level. Um, I understand. And, and he, his explanation was that this, you know, was, was intentional, you know, they're using communism to accomplish something else. Uh, technocracy. Uh, I, I don't know that he was aware of that. That might be the case, but um, do, do you think he was right? Have they accomplished any of their aims? I think, he, I think he's, I think he probably saw more than other people saw about it. And let me, let me say about, just technocracy in general, the people, who, the technocrats that, that were alive in the 20s and the 30s, technocracy has had, and technocrats as a result, have had an uncanny ability to attach themselves to a government in a symbiotic relationship where they exist because they are allowed to be in support positions in government to accomplish their own agenda. Right. That's what happened in the Soviet Union. Right. With, their engineering structure. They, the first, the first wave of the Bolshevik revolution, they killed all the engineers for peace sake. That was one of the big things they did. <laughs> yeah. We're going to kill them all. You know, they're dangerous people. So they drug them out in the street and they shot them. They yeah. Did so all of a sudden they woke up one day and said, Hmm, nothing runs anymore. Why, why is that? <laughs> Got all the engineered, you idiots. Right. And so this big search went on. How can we find people to get things running again? And they had a big push on education to develop their own engineers and whatever. And we saw those early technocrats move into, uh, move into uh, the Soviet Union to help them rebuild and to uh, you know, uh, kind of recreate okay. their infrastructure, if you will, right? Right. They moved up just as quickly, I might add. And then they moved into uh, Germany, a huge technocrat influence in Germany at the beginning of World War II. And um, they had a, actually a technocracy chapter over there that printed the same articles that they printed in America and uh, Hitler shut them down because he didn't want any competition, but right. Those technocrats moved into the German government machine and made it possible for Germany to do most of the scientific things they did, like scheduling trains that went to Auschwitz and, <laughs> you know, other economic matters and stuff and countries that they conquered. And these technocrats, were well known to the Germans that who these people were. And it's interesting after world war two was settled and the Nuremberg trials took place. Mm -hmm. There was a top secret program in American intelligence called operation paperclip. Right. Yeah. been declassified It's all in the open. There's been books written on it now that are very revealing. Yes. Operation paperclip brought some 1600 of these technocrat scientists and engineers from Germany, snuck them back into the United States under this top secret program, sanitized their, their biographies, put them into positions in national laboratories at NASA, at, you know, nuclear physicists, rocket programs, you name it, universities. Yep. And these people lived the rest of their life and died in America. And there was as technocrat Werner von, Werner von Braun, for instance, was the 
the guy that put the man on the moon. Right. The rocket engineer. Right. He was one of these guys, uh, probably the most famous rocket scientist that came from Germany. Right. And he came in illegally. Half those people should have been hung probably for what yeah. they did. Yeah. They weren't, but they, you know, they came in. So tech technocracy has had this uncanny ability to kind of like a submarine, right? Like a nuclear submarine. Right. Through the water. It just kind of surfaces when they want it to surface. And they've been very adept at staying under the surface of the water through many different types of regimes. We've seen this in America as they've been under the water through uh, Republican conservative regimes, as well as liberal Democrat left wing regimes. They were in the Carter administration, the Reagan administration. They were in the, the Jimmy Carter or the, excuse me, the, uh, uh, the uh, Al Gore and uh, Bill Clinton, uh, right. Bush, H, H, uh, W. Bush, rather, and, and the Obama years, they were all there the whole time underneath the surface. Well, that's all we have time for now. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this conversation, stay tuned for the final episode, part three, where we'll wrap up the conversation about technocracy rising. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share it with friends and family. And make sure you subscribe at libertynow.com to get the stories behind the news and learn about what we can do about it. Until next time, be good and keep asking questions. <laughs>